Today is January 3rd, 2010. I am Jen McCown, and this is the Midnight DBA Blogcast. Okay, episode three. So last year I contributed a couple of articles to SQLServerpedia.com, a community knowledge base. Very cool site, lots of info. Um, our blog and lots of other really good blogs are uh, all, subs- all um, syndicated, not subscribed, syndicated on the blog feed, so it's a good place for that. Uh, and today I read you one of those articles um, titled, The Server-Side Trace, What, Why, and How. Anytime you open SQL Server Profiler and run a trace, you're running a client-side trace. Even if you open Profiler on the server and run it there, it's still client-side. To run a server-side trace, we need to create a script. If that last sentence made your stomach tighten up, don't worry about it. This will be totally painless. All right, so first section is, what's the difference? There's a cost to running any trace, of course. What we want to do is minimize the impact of the trace on the system, especially for long-running traces or busy production servers. You can do a lot to reduce the impact of even your client-side traces, like filtering your data, limiting the events that you trace on, running short traces, and so on. But there is a significant additional cost to running client-side traces as opposed to server-side. SQL Server MVP Lin Chi Shea walks us through a very illuminating benchmark test he conducted called Performance Impact Profiler Tracing versus Server-Side SQL Tracing, and there's a link there, uh, that shows the benefit of a server-side trace over client-side. Among the findings, one, while the client-side traces dragged the transaction throughput down by 10% or more, there was little to no difference between no trace and a server-side trace. And two, a profiler trace can consume a significant amount of network bandwidth. In this test, a minimum of 35% and sometimes 70% or more of the 100 megabytes per second network. The server-side trace consumes no network bandwidth, of course. It runs on the server. So some of you savvy DBAs and developers will already have spotted another benefit over client-side traces, flexibility. Scripting your traces allows you to automate and customize to your heart's content and even schedule traces with SQL Agent. Another plus is that you can keep your trace defined on the server. If you often have to run a trace for a particular event, like diagnosing a prolonged spike in CPU usage, you can just turn that trace on with a single command. Next section, I still don't want to do server-side traces. What now? Keep reading the previous section until you're sold on the idea. Next section, I'm sold on server-side, but how do I start? Let's walk through the process of creating a server-side trace. One, open up Profiler and create a new trace. Two, select Save to File and select Location. It doesn't matter where, we will be changing this. Select Enable File Rollover. Three, select Enable Stop Time. Again, the actual time doesn't matter, we'll change this later. Four, choose your events and columns from the Event Selection tab. Now, this may be a little hard to follow along audibly. You can clearly go to the article and follow along, but this will give you a general idea. So three was uh, select enable stop time, which doesn't matter. Four, choose your events and columns from the event selection tabs. Five, run the trace and then stop it right away. Six, from the file menu, choose export script trace definition for SQL Server 2005, or whatever is appropriate in your environment, and save the script to file. 7. Open your file in SSMS, making sure you're connected with the instance you want to profile. So when you open that up in uh, SSMS, and there's an example here in the article, uh, it's a script 
and I'm not going to read the script to you because that would be boring, but we'll talk about it a little bit. Next section. Sure, it's pretty, but what does it all mean? Good question. Let's explore and edit our script. Okay, so variables. You've got uh, date time up at the top. That's the trace stop time. Edit the stop date and time or set it to null for no stop time. Or if you want to impress your friends, set your script up to always give you a set duration trace. In this case, two hours with date time equals date add h comma two comma get date. Okay, so are you following along so far? I'm breaking away from the text here. Um, you've got a variable up at the top of your, your generated script that's so called daytime. Then I don't know if I say it in here, but I often change that to stop time with a uh, replace all because it's just less confusing. And if you want to, for example, set it up to do um, a set duration trace, you could do like two hours with just setting it to uh, date add two hours to get date. It's very convenient. You can also change the max file size, which applies to your trace output files here at the top of your script. Uh, max file size sets how large each trace output file is allowed to get before it rolls over. On line 22, you'll see an exec sp trace create statement, which creates but does not start your new trace definition. So sp trace create has several parameters. One of them currently says in our script, insert file name here. You'll want to change that to the location on the server you're tracing, or if you can't swing that or on a drive or a share that it can reach. For example, backslash backslash my computer slash shared folder slash trace name one. SQL will append the .trc extension to whatever file name you provide. Now there's a zero in the SP trace create parameter list that represents the add option input. Um, it's worth it to go out and look up sp underscore trace underscore create um, for the different options you have, and I discuss it a little bit here. You can set add option to 2 for trace file rollover, 4 for shutdown on error, or 6 for both of them. That's my favorite. There's also an 8 option for black box, but that's not compatible with the other options. So, like I said, just take a look at the article, take a look at um, BOL for sp underscore trace underscore create. Another thing, you want, if you want to limit the number of files the trace creates, for example, you only want 10 output files, so add 10 to the end of the parameter list. This won't stop the trace after it creates that many files. Instead, when the trace creates a new file, it deletes the oldest file for this trace. So if you start off with trace 1, trace 2, dot dot dot, trace 10, and then it creates trace 11, it'll delete trace 1. This keeps you from filling up your hard drive with uh, trace files. So after that, you've got a really big section of sp underscore trace underscore set event statements, sp trace set event. These add your selected trace events like SQL statement completed and deadlock graph and columns like text data to the trace. So clearly the easiest way to create this list is just to select the events you wanted in Profiler before you export the trace script. But it can also be useful to look up which events are represented by which event numbers. So if you want to recreate this trace in the future with more or fewer events, you can just add new events or comment out others. You can find the codes for profiler events and data columns in Books Online, section titled Describing Events by Using Data Columns. If you set any filters, you will see an sptraceSetFilter command for each one just below the sptraceSetEvent section. And I give an example here, but I don't want to shout code at you through an op a podcast, so we're going to skip it. Next section. Can we start the trace now? Yes, I was just coming to that. The line of code that actually starts your trace is exec sptraceSetStatus traceID, comma, 1. 
I will say that before you start your trace, it's a good idea to add your stop commands to the bottom of the script. Just like driving a car, you really need to know how to stop before you can go. Now I have trace ID equals 2 in both of these uh, example commands, but your trace won't necessarily have an ID of 2. Probably, but not necessarily. When you run your trace, make note that the returned value from this script is your trace ID. So at that point, you'll want to change the trace ID in your two uh, SP trace set status, in other words, your stop and delete lines, uh, to match the trace ID returned by your script, and then save your script. So SP trace set status, status equals zero, stops the trace. Even after you stop the trace, the trace script itself is out on the server. If you choose, you can close and delete the trace from the server with SP trace set status, status equals two. You can stop your trace manually, or you can just wait for your stop time to roll around if you set one. After your trace is stopped, you can go get the trace output files from the directory you specified earlier, and that's all there is to it. Let's go ahead and uh, do a little wrap-up here, a little summary conclusion sort of thing. I'm going to wing it too. So, um, Okay, so server-side traces are good. The only kind of trace that a server-side trace is is one that's scripted. Um, anything you do with Profiler is a client-side trace, no matter where you run Profiler. Um, we've got some good numbers that say server-side traces are good, Profiler not as good. Um, if you want to, the easiest way to create, you, you can create a server-side trace completely by hand, of course, scripting it all out, but the easiest way is to model it basically in Profiler, um, select all your events and then stop it and script it out using uh, export script trace definition for SQL Server 05 or whatever your version is. Once you've got that script, you want to open it up, edit it um, so that uh, it has all the options that you want. The, files get saved where you want them to be saved and so forth and then run it to start um, and from then forward you can you can just stop it you can have it scheduled to stop you can keep it on the server you can delete it you can alter it by hand um, it's all good uh, server-side traces are one of those things I've found that most people a lot of people I should say really don't know about and they're insanely useful and uh, will save you a lot of trouble so that's all we've got for today. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time around. Copyright 2010 by MidnightDBA.com, Jennifer McCown, and Sean McCown. Be sure to visit us at MidnightDBA.com for the most recent training videos, blog entries, and links. And find us on Twitter as MidnightDBA. Today's music is You Don't Need an iPod by Uncle Seth, provided by Mevio's Music Alley. Check it out at music.mevio.com.